Thank you for listening to the Family Life Podcast. We hope that this message blesses you today. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. There, you can watch our latest sermons online. You can find us by searching for Family Life Church Bloomington. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Family Life B-Town. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed week. Aren't you glad to be in church? Where it says, wherever two or three gather in my name, there am I amongst them, in their midst, in between us. Aren't you so grateful that tonight we didn't just come for the sake of coming, but we came because Jesus ordained this moment, and he's here. And he got here before we did in anticipation that his body, that his bride would gather on this night. I am so grateful for the body of Christ. Amen. There are quite a few people in church. Um, you, you always know if I'm preaching, it's because everybody's sick. You know, so they said, well, let's scrape the barrel here. But there are quite a few people who are sick, and, um, but I believe that prayer works. Amen. So will you lift up your voices right now and pray that healing might flow through the body of Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the authority of your word, the power of your name, the power and authority of your blood, the sovereignty of your spirit which dwells within each and every one of us. We pray right now that you might heal and deliver. The scripture says that you sent your word and healed their sickness. You healed their disease. So send your word right now to every home. Send your word right now to every body until the very marrow of their bones respond. Be healed. Be healed. Be made well. Be made whole in Jesus' mighty name. We believe it. We believe it. I'm reading just two verses. I have quite a few scriptures tonight. Um, but before you're seated, just two quick <clears throat> verses. I mean, these are in Second Peter. And if you can't find it, that's right after First Peter. Um, <laughs> hope that helps. <laughs> um, but Second Peter, uh, beginning at verse 10, uh, chapter 1, will you read it with me? It says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's read that one more time. It says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just for a few moments tonight, I'd like to speak to you on this subject, unstoppable. Unstoppable. 
Now, I have a lot of material to go over, and I have no idea if we'll make it to the end. So this might be Unstoppable Part 1. <laughs> and if we don't make it to the end, the title will make no sense, so we might change it later. But, um, but preach with me, if you will. I'm really kind of going to teach, but uh, you, know, and I, you know I like to teach in libraries. Amen. But I prefer to teach in church. Amen. <laughs> Give your neighbor a high five, and you can be seated. <laughs> Unstoppable. The scripture that we've just read is out of the second epistle of, of Peter. And Peter writes in such an interesting time when the church was going through um, division both on the inside and on the out. And Peter, sort of nearing maybe the end of his life, is interested in reminding the church of the basic foundations upon which they stand. I love the scripture and always am encouraged by it. Towards the end of chapter 1, he says, And as long as I'm alive, I will continue to remind you of these things. It always encourages me because sometimes I feel kind of like a broken record, you know. Um, say the same things, preach the same things. If it were up to me, I would just preach Acts 2.38 and baptism in Jesus' name just again and again and again. <laughs> but, 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 but Peter had the boldness to say, you know, I'm just going to keep telling you, even though you know, I'm going to tell you again. And even though you know it, I'm going to tell you again as long as I'm in this body. Understand that we have an assignment to be consistent in the things of God. The passage that we read is the end of a significant passage of scripture. Starting in verse 1 of the, of the book, he says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That's us. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According in his, as his divine power have given unto us all things. Everybody say all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, have any of you ever been to Ikea? Yeah. And so if you have, you've had the experience that I've had, which is you go there first to be frustrated about how poorly you design your own house. <laughs> And then you get really inspired about all of the things you could do. And then you go into their warehouse when it's time to buy the stuff, and it's all in boxes. <laughs> and, and, and then you get it home, and now you have to put it together. And so here we're reading a passage where Peter is saying to the church, in Christ, you have already received everything that you need for life and for godliness. He says, he's given you the package, if you will. Uh, you imagine that you went to God's Ikea <laughs> and you checked out in Jesus' name. And in that box, when you were filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in his name and found yourself in this church, in that box were all the parts and all the tools and everything that you need. I'm going to repeat it because, because I only got one amen. You have everything that you need. But he's going to go on to say, however, you got to put these things together. Kind of like that Ikea box. But luckily, unlike the Ikea box, the instructions here are very clear. 
<laughs> and you have help. Amen. Goes on to say, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence. Now, diligence means that you do it with all of your attention, that you do it swiftly, that you do it with intent, that it not just be a passive situation with your walk with God, that you're content just to sort of wake up and get the scripture of the day on your phone and just sort of passively move through this Christian walk. He says, no, rather, you need to diligently go about unpacking the contents of this box. That the responsibility is on you to, to put the, uh, the, 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 the attention to the details necessary to make sure that you're living the way that God wants you to. Somebody say amen. And he says, with all diligence, he starts to give instructions. He says, add to your faith virtue. Everybody say virtue. See, your faith got you here, but he says there's stuff to be added to it. So as much as I just started off by saying I would just preach about baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you know that there's much more. <laughs> Amen. There's no way but that way. And you can't understand these things unless you come through the spiritual door, which is a baptismal tank in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. But from there, we got to keep moving. There's more. And so he says, to your faith, add virtue. Now, other translations here, when it says add virtue, describe the word virtue as goodness. Can everybody say goodness? The, the, the Greek word used here, you can forget this, but just showing you that I did my homework, okay? The Greek word here is arete. Again, forget about it, okay? Like, you know, maybe you like to eat euros. That's, that's enough. Like, you don't need to speak Greek to be saved. But the Greek word is arete, which characterizes a goodness that lives in someone, even when no one is watching. You see, this goodness, this virtue is about what you're like when you're all by yourself. What you're like we, we, uh, on Monday, <laughs> What you're like when it's just you and Jesus. We might think of this as integrity, right? That truly who I am is the person that I am when nobody else is watching. Integrity means being one, being a full part, an integer, being integrated. Amen. I'm grateful for the revelation of the oneness of God. We are a oneness people, and we should be oneness in everything we do. Can't be split personality Christians. Hygienically Christian here and something else over there. <laughs> Amen. I know I'm preaching to the choir. He says, add to your faith, integrity, virtue, goodness. See, we all want to look good. I spent 20 minutes trying to figure out which jacket I wanted to wear today to come to church because the jacket that I wear makes me feel more spiritual, you know? <laughs> I am, of course, joking. <laughs> 
But we all want to look good. We all want to feel good. You know, I like it when the music is just right and it's just loud enough and the bass is just right and the keys are just, I like that. It makes me feel good. All of us want to maybe even do good. But the scripture makes it very clear that our assignment is to be good. (laughs) That God wants us to be good. And this is only possible through having goodness living inside of you. In other words, through the infilling and submitting to the Holy Ghost. Amen. For what does the scripture say in Romans chapter 8? It says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And there is a difference, you know, between being filled and being led. Amen. Uh, Galatians will tell us that if you're led by the Spirit and not by your own flesh, that that's going to result in certain fruit taking root and then being uh, 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 produced in your life. Amen. And so God wants me to allow him to live through me. And so Paul would say it this way, that it's, yea, no longer I that live, but Christ through me. Amen. I don't know who said it, but it's a beautiful analogy. Said that, you know, we all, when we receive Christ, we allow him to move into, you know, this tabernacle, this mansion, right? In my father's house, there's many mansions, and he says the kingdom of God is in you. And so we allow him to move in, right? but we then relegate him to particular rooms. If you're anything like me, I know you're not, but if you were, um, there's a room in your house. You know, if you come and visit, you would say, wow, your house is so clean. That's because I don't let you go in all the rooms. (laughs) And before you got there, I just shoved all the dirty stuff in one of those rooms, right? (laughs) Amen? (laughs) That's kind of how we are with Christ. We're happy for him to dwell in that front room. You know that room that people on the street can see into your house? Wow, what a beautiful room that is. How it shines, how wonderful it is. And Jesus is sitting there like, this isn't enough space for me. I'm trying to occupy the entire house. What's more, he's trying to go around and fix all of your drywall and repaint all of your walls red. (laughs) Glory. With the blood, you understand? Uh, good thing. <laughs> Red. <laughs> what a design choice. Jesus is trying to totally remodel this fixer upper that he moved into. Because let me tell you, if you were on the market, uh, a good one for you. Brother Tyler, if I was on the market, you would not have bought me because I would not have been very sellable. But Jesus saw this falling apart shack. Jesus saw this, this, this thing that nobody else wanted, that nobody could live in. And he said, I'm going to make my home right there. And, 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 and as I let him move into every room, I go from a shack to a mansion. I'm grateful, hallelujah, for the presence of God in my life. Amen. Uh, you, you, I should move on, but in Matthew 19... You remember that someone came to Jesus and said, good master. We read that on Sunday. What should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds and says, why do you call me good? 
Don't you know that only one is good, and that's God? Now, here, Jesus was not denying his deity, but affirming it. He was saying, I'm good, therefore I'm God. Understand that we, apart from Jesus, cannot be good. And as a consequence, what's the takeaway? I don't get good to get God. I need to get God to get good. And the more that I surrender, the more that I submit, the more that I give myself to him, the more that I put myself on this altar as a living sacrifice, I can be transformed and renewed and revived day after day after day until one day I have that expectation that I'll be with him in the sky and it says that then I will be like he is. Somebody say amen. So what we see here is that this call to add goodness is really a call to partake in the nature of God. Verse 4 in that passage says that we have the opportunity, that we have the blessing to be partakers of the divine nature. Everybody say, add to your faith goodness. Now, it goes on to say that to our goodness or to our virtue that we need to add knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. Hosea 4 and 6 says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. And so in Psalm 32, it says that I will instruct you, this is the Lord, and teach you the way that you should go. I will give you counsel and watch over you. Then it says, please help me, it says, do not be like a horse. Tell your neighbor. Stop being like, oh, and I'm joking. <laughs> don't be like a horse. It says don't be like a horse or like a mule who, yes, you can break. And yes, you can force to do things. Yeah, you can pick them up and put them somewhere, if, you know, probably after some hard work. But, but the point is you can drag a horse somewhere. But even after you break that horse, you put that, that, that bit in its mouth, it still has no understanding. It says, don't be like a horse, someone with no understanding, not understanding what the will of God is for your life, constantly needing to wrestle. You know, we're kind of like horses a lot of the time because we love that scripture with Jacob where it says that he wrestled with God. And a lot of us just keep wrestling with God. Like we want to be in the WWF or something. You know, and Jesus... <laughs> But, but that's not the will of God for your life. The will of God is that we surrender. And so add to that goodness, add some knowledge. Well, how are you going to get knowledge? Through the word of God. Amen. 1 Timothy 3 and uh, 16, or 2 Timothy 3 and 16, rather, it says that all scripture, even the boring parts, <laughs> is profitable. For what? For doctrine? For reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The window of God's word. Doctrine is what to believe. Reproof, what not to believe. Uh, instruction, what to do. And, and what's the other one? Correction, what not to do. And so the Bible has everything that you need for you to know what to believe, what not to believe, what to do, what not to do. Amen. So, so we need to add to that goodness some knowledge. Amen. If you have not read the entirety of the scripture, 2023 is your year. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. 
but you shall meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but stand, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law doth he meditate day and night. The Lord, I, I woke up last night at, at 2 a.m. And, and then struggled to go back to sleep. And, and, and after all of that experience, the Lord reminded me of the scripture. Meditate on the word day and night. So if I'm not going to sleep, I have something to do. Amen. Amen. I have desired thy word more than my daily bread. For man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We must add knowledge and knowledge of the word of God. But, but knowledge has this side effect, and that's why goodness needs to be added first. The side effect of, of knowledge without goodness is um, pride. The scripture says that knowledge puffs up, makes you feel like a peacock. I know, you don't know. <laughs> I got the knowledge, you don't have it. How long have you been saved? Well, <laughs> we have to be careful that we don't allow our knowledge to puff us up. Amen. And this will make more sense here in a second. But think about Job's friends. Job's friends had knowledge, but they used it inappropriately. And as a consequence at the end, God's saying, who's this that speaketh words without understanding? Right? Amen. So it says, add to your virtue, knowledge. And to your knowledge, it says, this is part three. It says, add to your knowledge, temperance. Everybody say temperance. In other places, this is described as self-control. Now, biblically speaking, self-control Sometimes also translated as being sober, watchful, or of a sound mind, is about paying attention. Paying attention. Specifically, it can be thought of as thinking clearly about the things that matter most. Let me say that again. Before... Temperance or self-control is about denying stuff that you shouldn't be doing. It's about thinking clearly about things that matter. Or, or thinking about things as they are and being able to act with that wisdom. And oh, do we need that today. For we're living in a time that is greatly distracted. We live in a time where we're constantly being pulled to the left, to the right, in all different types of directions. And God is simply wondering whether or not we can hear him. You guys remember those Verizon wireless commercials of like the early 2000s? They, they went something like this. A guy would go up to the top of a mountain and, and then he would take out his Verizon wireless phone and he would say, can you hear me now? and say, good. You guys remember that? That's kind of what's happening today in this generation. That you're in the midst of a lot of distraction. 
and, 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 and take it, like, genuinely, this, this is my, my, my area of expertise. Most technology that you use has literally been designed to capture your attention. Your phone was designed to keep you on it. Facebook is designed to make you addicted. So, so it, there's reasons why we would be distracted. Pandemics and too many ways of getting the news. and So much is going on. I don't blame you. But Jesus says in the midst of all of that confusion, can you hear me now? You best believe that if I was a teenager, still courting Sister Mariah, and we were in the busiest train station in all of the world, and everybody was shouting, and all this commotion was going on, but she was talking to me, I would have heard her very clearly. Has that ever happened to you? You've been in a very busy place, and even because you really wanted to know what somebody was saying, you heard them. <laughs> so what is it with us today with Christ? I realize that too often we're present, but we're not really here. <laughs> Think about Brother Joseph. Joseph showed self-control in Potiphar's house when Potiphar's wife made her proposition. But it was because he was thinking clearly of his relationship with God, his responsibility to Potiphar, his, his, his respect for Potiphar's wife, and so on. What's amazing about Joseph is that Joseph kept the Mosaic law before the Mosaic law was written because he was thinking clearly. And then in the midst of his pit, when, when he's in shackles and chains, he's still able to hear from God to interpret dreams. And then later, after being dejected and rejected and everybody left him and all of that stuff for years, they say, shave and come speak to Pharaoh and immediately... He's back on. He was always attentive to the voice of God. Can you hear me now? We have to be careful in this distracted generation because like it says in Luke chapter 17 that in the days of the coming of the Lord, it will be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. It says people were married and given to marriage and they were shopping and they were having a great time. There was nothing wrong with any of the things that he stated. The problem was that people got so into all of those things that when the day of going on to that ark happened, they missed it. They got so into shopping and so into weddings and so into gossip and so into stuff that was going on in the world, right, that, 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 that Lot's wife was being miraculously delivered by angels. Angels are, how many of you have ever seen an angel? They were being taken literally, physically by angels. Brother Bonnie it said, I've seen an angel and pointed to Sister Bonnie. That's the most beautiful thing. But, but in the context of being led by angels out of the city, Lot's wife is thinking about all the things that she left and then became like them. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So... Remember Lot's wife. Another one, Samuel, lived in a time very much like our time. When everybody was distracted, the scripture says that everybody just did whatever they wanted to do in the times of the judges. And in that context, 
Samuel gets a visitation from God. And look at what it says. If you could bring that up, I think it's, yeah, 1 Samuel 3 and 10. It says, and the Lord came, notice, and stood. Nobody else in the house heard it? <laughs> the Lord came physically and stands there and calls to Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And look at what Samuel says. He said, speak, for thy servant heareth. Notice, Samuel was both here, he said, I'm here, and I'm hearing. Huh? So often we're in the presence of God, but our minds are somewhere else. How many times did it say, and the presence of God was there to heal, but yet everybody wasn't healed? Some people were just there for the spectacle. Right? And so what are we doing in this season to make sure that we're present? I don't want to just be somebody who prays just to get through my daily prayer. Oh, well, you know, it's 9 a.m., time to pray. And I just go through the motion, Lord Jesus, I love you, I love you, whatever, I bless my day, bless whatever, bye-bye. I don't want to be somebody who just reads just because I needed to. But am I present in the presence of God? Am I here? Am I hearing him? What's Jesus saying right now? I don't want to miss my moment. For I recognize, Brother V, that, that this is the time that the Lord has made for us. I recognize right now that the water is stirring, that, we're, uh, that, 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 that there's revival. <laughs> I, I recognize right now that there's a purpose. I don't want to miss it. Somebody say amen. I'm going to go a little fast now. He says, add to your temperance patience. Now, I've said this before, but you have to remember that the gospel that we've received, we've received it because somebody else endured. This is a gospel of endurance. The word that he uses here is hippomene, which literally means to maintain your ground in the times of war. He says, in the midst of difficulty, stand your ground. Add to this temperance, uh, a stick-to-itiveness. <laughs> if, if you're heading home, there's no time to turn around. And we're heading home. We're on the closest, the shortest journey home. Jesus is coming soon, so don't give up. But the only way that you can build patience is to go through some things. That's why it's also called long-suffering. You can read throughout Peter, I don't have the time, I'm coming to a close. You can read throughout Peter of all of the things that the church suffered in that time, in the context where he's writing, right? And in all of that, he says, stick to it, right? And, and, and James would say something similar. He would say, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience. But it goes on, it says, but let, everybody say let, Allow patience to have its perfect work in you. Let me say this. God has a purpose for all of your suffering. Everything that you're facing, everything that you're going through, God has a purpose for it. So keep going, friend. What's the purpose? Godliness. <laughs> and that's the next thing. He says to your patience, add godliness. Again, I do not have time. Maybe a message for another time. But 
If you were to read in, in 1 Timothy 3 and 16, it talks about the, 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 the mystery of godliness. And, and here are just some of the highlights. It says the godly. Speaking, of course, of Jesus, but this applies to you. Uh, it says that, that, that the godly manifest God in the flesh. That the godly don't seek to be vindicated by a world that abuses them, but they're rather justified in the spirit. It says that the godly live their lives being seen by angels. In other words, live their lives with an audience that's higher than, you know, the people out there on Facebook. It says that the godly, as a consequence, have global influence. Because you are more powerful on your knees praying than all of the armies of all of the world. You may not believe that, but it's true. Because your prayers transcend time and space. You get a hold of the king of heaven's armies. And when you pray, the Bible says that he inclines his ears to you. That's different than just hearing. He puts his ears, he says, yes. If you can get the ear of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, what can't be done in your life? Hallelujah. And it says that the godly, as a consequence, are very great at turning other people into the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and as such, have the expectation that one day they'll be caught up with him. We gain an understanding through this that it's not just about us and our stuff but that everything that we're put on this earth to do, that we have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. No matter what you think of the world out there, you were brought into the kingdom for it. So that people can know Jesus and be saved. Hallelujah. Amen. You're here for a reason. And so this is what he ends by saying. He says, now that you start to change your perspective, now that you start to look outward instead of constantly just thinking about you and yours, he says, now you need to be very mindful to do all things in love. He says, add brotherly kindness or Philadelphia, which is love for your brother. That type of love is the type of love that won't let a brother or a sister suffer alone. That type of love is the type of love that says, I see you on the side, um, on the sideways and uh, you have a flat tire. I'm not going to drive by and act like I don't know you. Uh, that type of love feeds you when you're hungry. That type of love lets you stay in their home. That type of love deals with your pain and your issues ahead of my own. And then it says, add to that some agape love. That's the type of love that's patient and kind, that never seeks its own good, but always seeks the good of others hallelujah that is the type of love that Jesus showed to us when he came and embodied himself enrolled himself in flesh and it says that we have to add that to our walk too and it says if we do that we'll never fall that type of a church that type of a people who or who put everything in, in, in aligned with the purpose of God, who are about touching this community, that type of a people can't be stopped. So, in this season, what are you going to choose to be? You can stand. Exactly 8 o'clock. Impeccable timing.
<laughs> what are we going to be in this last day? Now, I went over so many things, and I'm sorry that I didn't have the time to go over more. But the reminder today is simply about why you're here. This isn't a social club, you know. And, and the things that God has been calling you individually for, I know, as sure as I'm sure, that so many of us are being called unto deeper levels of prayer. That so many of us are being called unto deeper dedication. That so many of us are being convicted. Do you feel that conviction? God drawing you nearer because this is that time. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> this is your time. This is your time. This is yours. Come on, say it. It's my time. That, that Jesus has ordained this time for the things that he's put in my heart. I believe that I'm here on earth for such a time as this. And that signs and miracles are going to follow. Not for me, so that other people can be saved. We had a visitor this week who came through the doors. And the moment that they came in, just was overwhelmed by the presence of God. And it convicted me, because how often do I come into this place and it's just, I'm just, you know, just like any other place. How often do I come in this place and I'm working or doing something else when God has something very miraculous and very special for this time? We ordained to be unstoppable. Lift up your hands and pray with me. And if you want to come to the altar, you can. Maybe you want to pray with the person beside you. But I hope that this has touched you in some way. That God might remind you of the things that he once spoke. That God might remind you of who you are and whose you are. God might align your mind once again into the things of God. It's an opportunity for us to be in the house. I will be everything you want me to be, Jesus. Yes, Sorobobo Kosia Mahata Babahaya. Urobobo si Babahatata. Hm. Yera Bababahata Babahaya. Hm. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hm. Just as we leave, could you find somebody to pray with? Maybe your family member, maybe somebody who you feel led to pray with and pray. Pray that this might be the start of something new, that God hopefully has reminded you of, of, of things that are to come. Hallelujah. That they be encouraged, that they be strengthened. Pray for them like you wish they'd pray for you. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We agree with one another that you're great, that you can do all things. Oh, keep my mind on you. Help me to think clearly about the things that matter most. So one last thing, and then we'll be done, okay? I want you to think about one person who you 
really want to see saved. I don't care if they're in Bloomington or somewhere far away. One person that you really are believing God to be saved. Everybody have someone? You got somebody in your mind? Uh, if not, just think of somebody maybe that could be saved. I want you to think of someone with all of your heart that you just desire more than anything that they be saved. And for one moment, I wonder how you would act when they are saved. And I wish that you could worship the way you'll worship when they are. Can you do that for a moment? Can you worship? Because Jesus has already seen the end. Come on. Hallelujah. He would that all would repent. He wants to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Come on, how would you act when that son or daughter is turned? Hey, glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Come on, church. We're going to see revival. You got to believe it. See it in your eyes. See them in this altar being filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. See him being healed. See him being delivered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We trust in Jesus and will not be ashamed. Amen. Hold on to that. For this year, we're going to see people saved in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. We love you. Be blessed.